0: Hello and welcome back to That's Hockey Talk. We're here, season two. I can't thank you guys all enough. Uh, You spent the whole time during football season, during the summer, tweeting at us, uh, letting us know that you wanted to hear more. When is it coming back? Uh, We had a busy fall. AQ, obviously playing football for the Arizona Cardinals. You guys, uh, tough start, but you rallied. You had a tremendous season. How are we feeling? How's the body feeling?
1: body's feeling good we're uh we're trying to heal up over the next month and get back at it hopefully for another year or two or three or however many more I got left but yeah I appreciate it man we uh we rallied we um, we definitely made a ton of progress I mean if you look at some of the stats we had it was it was crazy the the jump in offense we had from 18 to 19 so yeah good
0: good good move forward. Hey, it was fun to watch, but uh, that's enough football for now. It's here. It's finally It's finally hockey season in this office. The guys are going to finally let me talk about it. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, the season is almost halfway here. We're almost at the all-star break now. Uh, and a couple teams have not got off to the start we had hoped or thought we would see, especially Tampa Bay. After the historic run they had last season, you figured they were going to come in and just kind of pick up right where they left off. Disappointing playoff exit. They were going to be hungry again, but they struggled out of the gate. And no one seemed to really know why. Was it the goaltending? Was it an aging roster? They, they transformed the roster a little bit, just a couple tweaks, nothing too major. But you, you they finally started to turn the corner here in the last month or so. 8-1-1 uh, one one in, in their last 10 in on an eight-game win streak. Uh, I look at it, and the biggest point to me that st- I saw them struggling from was Kucherov just wasn't scoring. He was the guy last year. He, you know, the, the Art Ross winner, the, he just went on this unbelievable tear uh, of goals. And now it's like, where is the offense coming from? Other guys weren't picking up the slack. But Kucherov's finally starting to round in the form. He's almost back in the top 10 in points, and the team is following suit.
1: Yeah I mean I think uh if you look at it I mean that was that was the I mean if you looked at the halfway point last year I mean Kucherov and Stamkos had arguably the best first half combined like in the history of the NHL I mean they were on an absolute tear I think um both of them were in like the up like close to like 75 80 points by by this point even more maybe and uh you know you look you look at that team and you wanted to see them come out hungry because that was that was the one thing that was so disappointing in last year's playoffs was that early exit and uh, how good they had. But you're right. I mean, it, it's so funny when you see a roster that gets tweaked even just a little bit. It may be one role player, maybe two role players, maybe whatever. But you look at the historic run the Penguins had when they went back to back and they lose a guy like Trevor Daly. They lose a guy like Ron Hainsey. They lose a guy like Nick Benino, And all of a sudden they're not the same team. So um, it, it isn't always losing the top end players. It's it's those role players that make make the things roll sometimes.
0: That's a great point. And speaking of, uh, let's talk about the Caps now, because a guy who uh, a lot of people probably underrate this guy and don't consider him one of the top defensemen in the league, but he's putting people on notice this year. John Carlson is having an unbelievable season and he's got the Caps back to where we're used to seeing them be like the runaway leaders of the league. They're dominating the regular season owning the Metro Division. John Carlson, 54 points. He's 10th in the league in scoring as a defenseman. We haven't seen uh, like an output like this. You, you see like Brent Burns every, while, every once in a while. You see Eric Carlson. Those are names you're familiar with being up there. You saw Mike Green do it for years in Washington. You don't think of John Carlson as that guy, as that type of offensive defenseman. He's putting on a show this year, and it's insane. He's got more points than Austin Matthews, more points than Nikita Kucherov.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty wild stat. I mean, and, and the first half that the Washington Capitals have put together has been unbelievable. I mean, there was a point Laughable. where I, I think they only had four losses through 25, 30 games. It was it was absolutely incredible. And what he's doing on the defensive end, not only as a defenseman, but putting points up. Um, he's great on the power play at the point. I mean, he's, he's done so many amazing things for them, and that's part of the reason why they've been so successful this year.
0: Most importantly, as you know on this show, uh, he's an American.
1: And we love that. We love Americans.
0: Uh, speaking of another team, on the opposite end, much like uh, how Tampa went this year, we thought they were going to be a cup contender and they absolutely stink, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they stink at home. They have a terrible record at home. They're terrible on the road. There's no real positive when you look at this team and say, oh, well, at least they got this going for them. Every, every, everything right now about San Jose just sucks. Martin Jones has an 890 save percentage. It's absolutely terrible. Aaron Dell, their backup, uh, he's awful the, the, the goaltending is the problem for me with this team they, they although they can't stop anyone their defense isn't great right now they signed eric carlson that big deal and now it's looking out turning out to be a disaster they got carlson and burns locked up and it's like they got no help i don't know what happened to all their depth uh they had guys up front they lose joe pavelski and it's like the whole team fell apart
1: yeah it, it's amazing it's funny you brought up Goaltending because I've been saying it for years. I was heavy on it going into the playoffs last year. Goaltending has been the problem for this team Little for five years. For five years. I mean, it's literally been the problem for them, you know, since even even when they went to the Stanley Cup, it was their problem. I mean, True. it was he was he was always the weak link on that team. Um, they had unbelievable talent around them. Here we are five years later. It's obviously not only caught up with them, but they've lost some some leadership up front and losing Pavelski. They still have a lot of the same key pieces. Um, they
0: bring Marlowe yeah. back, and it's like—I mean, he's not the same player he was. But
1: yeah, and and they do all that, and then they even make a coaching change, hoping for the same—you know—result that other teams have given, where you start—you know—playing for your coach and trying to um, really turn it on whenever you make a change. And and they haven't—they have not turned it on. It has not lit the fire. Um, they've been quite the disappointment this year.
0: Uh, another team I guess you could kind of consider a disappointment is Carolina with how they finished last season that incredible playoff run they went on and all the success in the regular season. And a lot of people would say argue maybe it's because they lost their guy. Justin Williams sat out the first half of the season decided to come back literally last night it was announced. Yeah, he's coming back. He signs a deal with Carolina. He signs it's basically like a, uh, a veteran min uh, salary seven hundred seventy seven thousand dollars or something like that for the year. But listen to these performance bonuses he gets. Okay. Uh 150,000 for 10 games played, 100,000 for 20 games played, 250,000 if they qualify for the playoffs. 100,000 for each round they win. Uh 250 grand if they win the Stanley Cup, 250 grand if he wins a Conn Smythe. How does that feel? You like that as a vet?
1: I I like the performance bonuses in terms of uh games played and things like that, but some of those are unrealistic goals. I mean, for him to win a con smite, I mean, that's that's out. I mean, there's no chance <laughs> he wins that, right? Like, it's out. Like that, You might as well just throw that money out. Um, you know, anytime you have team success goals, I hate those as a player. I mean, there's, there's been so many guys in my side of the business that have these things where, you know, you sign an offensive line deal and it's like, okay, uh, you get this so much money if rushing yards increases by this much. Or th- you get this much money or if sacks decrease by this much. That, it is so hard to earn bonuses when you're putting the rest of the team in the hands of your money. It yeah. is so hard because one injury, two injuries, whatever, the, that money's gone. So um, I love the performance bonuses where he's betting on himself and obviously 10 games played, 20 games played, things like that. Um, but some of those I think are unrealistic money factors for him.
0: Yeah, sounds good in theory, but like you said, uh, you're counting on a lot of other people for a lot of those bonuses, but it's not like he needs the money. He's obviously back to chase the ring. Uh, Good for him. Here's a question. Does he get the C back? Because uh, I think Jordan Stahl is the captain right now, and uh, that's an interesting situation. To me personally, I don't think he needs it. I think he can just go in there and be a leader. I don't think he needs a letter, but he was the captain. He was, He's Mr. Game 7. He's, he's Mr. Clutch. He's all this and that. Uh, what do you think? How do you feel about it? If you, were, if you were a vet coming back, if you were a leader, as you are yourself, you've been a captain before, uh, you took some time off, you come back, uh, do you think he wants that seed? Do you think he needs it? Does it matter?
1: I think anytime you have the C on your chest, it, it, it means something, especially personally. I think... Um, but at, at the end of the day, if you're a leader and the team knows that, I don't I don't think it matters. I don't think it's worth a shit if, if, if you got a letter on your jersey. The team knows who the leaders are and whether or not Stahl has that C or he has the A or vice versa to him, to Williams, it's at the end of the day he's gonna go in, he's gonna provide a spark. He's a veteran leader, he's he's done things on big stages for that team. And uh, you know, whether he has the letter or not, he's gonna be the same guy, the same player, the same leader in that group.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it works out for them because they need them right now. They are they're they're, they're comfortably in the first wild card spot, but uh, they're five points behind Pittsburgh. So you know they got the wild card spot there, but they could uh, they they want to be in that metro hunt. You don't you don't want to rely on getting in in a wild card spot. Uh, they're five and five in their last ten, um, and the rest of the metro. I mean, it's tight this year. We know the Islanders and Pittsburgh are close, fifty seven points each, uh, and then you look uh, Carolina in that first wild card spot. Uh, and then Philadelphia is right behind them at 50 points, and then Columbus is right behind or, or tied with Philadelphia actually at 50 points. So it, it is tight, and they need something to separate them. They need a jump, and they need a jolt. And this is the time of year you kind of want to create some separation there. Uh, and this could be the way to do it. Uh, other teams have found other ways to do it, and that would be firing their coach because they've been so damn awful. We saw it happen with Toronto early in the year, off to a rough start. They they get rid of Babcock, and now. They go on a run, and they're sitting comfortably here in uh, in the third spot in the Atlantic. Uh, they're not going to catch Boston, obviously. Boston's probably the best. I think other than the Caps, Boston's the best team in the league. Uh, but Toronto, they had all that offensive firepower. Uh, they had all that skill, and for some reason it wasn't working. And then all of a sudden they get rid of Babcock, and voila. It's like, oh, who knew? Who knew getting rid of this dinosaur behind the bench would lead to some talent and some production?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's definitely crazy to see the way that – some teams react to a coach firing. You can either go one of two ways, obviously, right? You can either make a jump, you can make, uh, you know, it, it could light some fire in everybody's ass and all of a sudden now you play for each other and you, you forget about all the other bullshit and distractions and whatever, whatever else was holding you back. And, and you take an, and you go off on a nice run or you go in the absolute tank. And you, you you've seen it on multiple occasions on different teams. The one firing that I am absolutely blown away at is the Lavalette firing. Yeah. I think it's, they were, I, I could sit here and say, arguably, they were a top five team over the last five years in this league. There's no question yeah. about I mean, it. Yeah. And he took them to a cup final. Yeah. They were in a cup final and they, they were back at it again last year. I mean, one of the top records, you know, in all of hockey. And you make this move. And two days later, you hire a new coach of a, of a of a coach that came from a team that was absolutely fucking abysmal. <laughs> so I just don't get it. Here's my
0: thing with the Laviolette firing. He was obviously the scapegoat. I don't think it was his fault, truly. I think they've, they've screwed up their roster a little bit in recent years. And like you said, they bring in John Hines from the Devils, who came from a team also with a flawed roster, although he did get them in the playoffs a few years ago, but I think it was more on the back of – Taylor Hall and that incredible MVP run he had. But Heinz comes over. I don't think he's the worst coach. He came up in the Penguin system. I think he's a fine head coach. I think the problem with Nashville and Laviolette paid the price for it is uh, yeah. David Poyle. He made some questionable decisions uh, recently with the way they've built. So they bring in Matthew Shane, right? who uh, on his way out of Colorado when he went to Ottawa, a couple of counts came out and basically threw the, the C word around, and uh, cancer. Like, he wasn't the best locker room guy. He wasn't the best leader. And he was supposed to be that type of player because he was a high pick. Uh, he was he was groomed to be like the next Joe Sakic there. He was supposed to be the guy, and that never worked out. So they bring him in, okay? Uh, they bring in Ryan Johansson a couple years ago who was with the Blue Jackets, and they said the same thing about him when they got rid of him out of Columbus. He's not, he's, he's skill, all the skill in the world but not the most motivated guy, uh, not the best leader. Uh, and then Kyle Turris, another guy who was drafted high, uh, Arizona. He goes to Ottawa. That's a pretty good season, kind of rebuilds his career in Ottawa. But again, like not the, he, he never lived up to the hype of where he was drafted, uh, not this great leader. So they bring all these guys in, and these are supposed to be your center ice guys and Solidify. And they bring in Nick Bonino, who's good, and he's having some goal scoring up, is up this year. But at the same time, like you trade away Seth Jones – who is, by all accounts, a cornerstone franchise defenseman. And look how he's thrived in Columbus. I understand that, too, because on D, you had Seth Jones, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, and P.K. Subban. You get rid of P.K., he goes to New Jersey. That seemed to be the right move, at least, because he's floundering. The Devils aren't doing so great. But it's just the way they're constructed, I think they need – they need a solid first line center leader, and I know those aren't easy to find. You don't just go out and they don't just grow on trees. You don't just grab one, but you need a leader there who's going to play the big heavy minutes and put the team on his back. They don't have that. They have a couple of skill guys. They have Philip Forsberg. He's good. They have Victor Arvidsson. He's like the uh, he'll grind his ass off in front of the net and he can score and he's pretty gritty. But they just don't have that uh, that number one center. To, to kind of take all the weight. They don't have that captain. They don't have that guy, Roman Yossi, great player. He wears the C there, but he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy.
1: No, I agree, and I think it's funny you brought that up about Subban because arguably one of the most hated players in this league. Arguably, yeah. you know, for them, he was great for them, though. He lived on that villain role, but what we're not talking about is because they didn't have that center that we're all talking about, They what he did provide was some blue line scoring, especially on the power play for them. It wasn't huge numbers, but it was enough to kind of ignite them in, at times when they needed it. He had a great slap shot from the point. They're not getting that from any of their defensemen right now. I mean, they're really not. And, you know, I think uh, you know, I watched them play a couple times this year, and it's it's just, they're, they're not they don't have that score especially to kill um, you know. There's a lot no of edge. Teams, they lost they their give edge. A, give up a goal. They, they get something right back to create momentum. They don't have that.
0: Plus their goaltending stinks this year. Uh, Soros and uh, Rene have just been awful. Um, so I, I, you hope this is one of those situations, because I like Nashville. I, I enjoy that franchise. I hope this is a situation where Hines comes in and he can jumpstart them and get a little fire under their ass. Uh, we talked about the Babcock firing, but in the wake of the Babcock firing, we saw Bill Peters get the out in Calgary because of obviously using the N-word uh, a couple years ago. It's just like, come on, man. Even even a couple years ago, like we're in the modern – society in a modern world. What the fuck are you doing throwing that around when you have a black player on your team, uh you just like, come on, bro. Common sense. Common sense. You're a white guy, can't use it. Can't say it. Don't do it. Easy stuff. Uh Jim Montgomery gets let go in Dallas. And I don't think it ever has come out still really why he was let go. I don't know if you've heard anything or seen anything, but uh the stars, I know they they weren't playing great and they've played much better since he'd been gone. They're they're defensively structured to be a low-scoring team. I'd take them to bet the under every single game they play, but they get rid of Montgomery. It seems to be a great thing happening there for them. And then Peter DeBoer got the out in San Jose because, like we said, something's going on there. Something's amiss, and I think that's another situation of roster construction. Yeah, they are bad.
1: Bad. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hear anything on the Dallas thing. I think I did read um, something along the lines of not Nearly obviously as bad as the Calgary situation, but there was a crew of—I don't know—maybe a handful of those older coaches that were kind of all involved in just bad um, ethics in the way that they treated players. I think whether yeah. it was on or off the ice, and I think um, I think he might have been the fallout in some of some of the stuff that, like, once there was a once there was one. That happened, whether it was Toronto, Babcock, whether it was Calgary. Now the domino effect starts to go, and you start getting rid of some of those bad seeds and bad apples around the league. And um, I think he kind of was, the, was, was part of that domino effect.
0: There was definitely a movement there, and it's still ongoing. There's no way it's done yet. But they are cleaning the NHL's cleaning house with coaches who have a history uh, of disrespect and, in some cases, violent actions towards the players, which, you know, it's good to see it's about time we clean it up a little bit. And, you know, you, you can take this too far, and I hope they don't. I hope it doesn't get to a point where we're trying to fire guys and cancel guys for for little things and indiscriminate things like let's keep it let's let's keep our wits about us and make sure when we when we look into these things that they are legitimate and we're not just bullshitting and picking stuff out of thin air to be mad about and be upset about
1: Yeah, that's the one thing I think this generation has where where we've gotten a little too soft because you know, you look at the way coaches were brought up whether it was the 70s the 80s the 90s whatever it Old was school man coach hard yeah right it was co- it was coach people hard uh, allow them to fail bring them back up right just di- just a different mindset and now we're, we're at a different generation i think it, it it started off in the kid generation whether it was high schools and you know th- then it's kind of rolled into college and now it's even rolling into the pros where it's like you know if if somebody says the wrong thing to you we can get a guy fired and it's like it's kind of mind blowing in a in a sense but um there there there's obviously situations where that needs to be done i.e. calgary right yep. but um let let's also not take it a little too far like you just said because there 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 is a point where coaching hard is good you you get results from coaching people hard and um it doesn't need to just be you know constant praise or constant softness right
0: yeah you've seen it firsthand you've lived through it i have uh let's talk about last night let's get a little more current here uh you got to watch the penguins game last night i did not get to watch all of it because i had to be up early for radio and i got a new puppy and he's a pain in the ass sometimes so i had to get to bed early but i did see malkin scored uh, and I saw the Pens win. They beat Vegas. They get a little uh, revenge on Flurry, even though it's not an ill situation anymore. We love Fru- Pens fans. Love Mark Andre Flurry, and vice versa. But it's always nice to go in th- to their house and beat them. Uh, what do you think?
1: Unbelievable atmosphere in Vegas as always, and to go in there with a time change um, and and steal a win on the road. And the way they've played on the road this year has been unbelievable. Um, as well as at home, I mean they've they've done an unbelievable job. But the Malcolm backhand to start things off was unreal. I mean it was an unbelievable shot. Um, you and I spoke earlier in the year, I think, a little bit about Tanev and how we thought maybe not the best signing. The guy's been unbelievable for Pittsburgh. I mean he's he's brought a different speed, a different element. Um, you know he, he wins a puck battle on the on the on the uh, on the boards late in the game to kind of to kind of seal the game and gets a little wrap around on Flurry late in the game. Um, Flurry always struggles job. with those
0: wraparounds, man. Always. What's that? He always struggles with those wraparounds.
1: He does. He absolutely does. And I think the one thing that Vegas, you can never count them out. They're unbelievable. They can they be down 3-0. Oh, the, I mean, shot. the roster's and loaded. They, yeah. The roster's loaded with talent. They got unbelievable offense. And um, they do a heck of a job just getting pucks to the net and creating opportunities. And that's how they got back in that game yesterday, obviously. Um, even had a chance with a six-on-four situation. Malkin taking a dumb penalty, as always, late in the game. And, uh, yeah, gave him an opportunity, but the Penguins stuck it out due to Jari, the surprise of the year Ooh, in the NHL. I know. Surprise of the year. Hey, thank God. He saved the team because
0: I, I love Matty Murray, but he has struggled this year, uh, and he has not looked good. It's like his confidence is gone again. But thank God for Tristan Jari coming in making the saves he's he's an all-star he got into the all-star game he looks unbelievable confident young kid uh excited to see what the future holds and what the penguins decide to do because murray's got a contract here due soon uh what they do i I think you got to keep both of them for right now i'm a you know the flurry and murray conversation was much different than the murray and jari conversation you couldn't keep both matt and flurry because you're gonna have to pay both of them this situation, I think you can afford to pay both guys and keep both guys. And I think you need both guys in the modern NHL. You need at least a solid backup. And the Penguins have traditionally kept pretty good backups around, but they've usually been like veteran guys in the past couple of years, obviously, with Murray backing up Flurry, uh, Casey DeSmith, Tristan Jari now. I think you're better served going with this youth movement in goal and letting these guys battle it out. I think them pushing each other is good.
1: I, I think if you're if you're just looking at the contract that they gave Murray, I think they knew there was some there was some doubt there were some questions yeah, yeah, for sure in Murray that was a, that was a bridge deal to see hey what is this guy going to do for us and he's been great at times and he's been awful at times so um, I think that is still kind of the question mark in in the front office in Pittsburgh with Murray but. Um, I think it's starting to clarify itself a little bit moving forward for him. I don't necessarily know if he stays in Pittsburgh past this deal. Yo, you think you think this might be it? I don't think they're going to get rid of him early, but I think once his deal is up, and I don't know how many years, I don't know his contract situation. If he's got one year left, or if this is the last year on that deal, I don't know if you can sit there and say, yeah, like he stays on unless it's unless it's a huge pay cut.
0: I'll be interested to see how that plays out. We'll talk about that more when the time comes. Uh, sure. Also, last night, I don't know if you saw this. I did happen to see this. Uh, Zdeno Chara, the Boston Bruins, take on the National Predators. Predators, New Coast, John Hines. They end up losing in their first game. So, uh, not quite the spark they had hoped for. But also, the Bruins a tough team and a very difficult team to be playing uh, the next game after you fire a coach. And Chara got into a scrap after a hit behind the net on uh, – I can't remember who actually got hit. It was. It might have been – Ah, fuck, Ty, we'll edit this out. Char gets into a scrap behind the net after a hit on one of his teammates, and he comes over, and anytime Char gets in a fight, it's news to me. Like, I love it. This dude is a monster. He's 6'9". He's just an absolute freak. He's 42 years old, and he fights this guy, Trevin, who's 22. He's 20 years younger than him, and it... It takes – I tweeted this out. It takes incredible gut sack to square up to Zedano Char, knowing he's 6'9 and his reach is like a – he's like a fucking giraffe. You're, you're not going to be able to get in close to him. But he tagged him, man. He tagged Char and buckled his knees a little bit.
1: Yeah, what was more impressive – like, don't get me wrong. That was impressive. He tags Char and takes him to his knee. What's more impressive, Char bounces back up and then takes him to the ice. Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable to see – him take a shot on the chin, buckle, <laughs> get back up, and then all of a sudden he's the Undertaker just like coming
0: back to life. It was unbelievable. Someone tweeted this to me last night, and it's a great point. It's like uh, realistically, Char has been training in, in like martial arts for this guy that he fought his entire lifetime. Like the guy is twenty some years old, twenty two years old, something like that. Charles been training for like twenty years how to fight, and this is the I, I was very impressed with the balls on that guy to go in there. A uh, way to make a name for yourself, kid. That I can't even remember his name, Trevin.
1: That boy, Trevin.
0: Uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, while we're out of here, I want to talk a little betting too. I I know you're not allowed to bet, but I know you can offer your opinion. So. Yeah. Uh, I saw something. I saw a tweet about first period overs that I thought was super interesting for the betting crowd that we got to get into here. I want to touch on this uh, notable NHL first period over under trends this season. This is from Joe Osborne at JTFOZ. The Penguins nine and zero on the overs in the first period. So if you're betting on a team and you like to bet the first period, or if you don't, this is something you need to be aware of. Pens 9-0 and o on the overs in the first period. Stars, 8-0, which is weird because the Stars traditionally trend, do well very on their, on the game total under. They're killing it in the first, in the first period though, 8-0. Oilers, 21-6 and six over under in the first period. That's got to be a typo. That's a typo. What could that be? Oh well, fuck it. Canadians eight and two over under. Uh, Rangers six and zero. Oh, Canucks seven and one. Blackhawks six and one. Capitals three and eleven. Uh, sharks one and eight. Obviously, sharks stink. Go under. Sabers one and six. And the Bruins surprisingly zero oh and six. Uh, so they, fend, they tend more towards the under in the first period. And the
1: Capitals is a little surprising, huh?
0: Yeah. Three and eleven. Wow. For a team that scores as much as they do. Some some teams are slow starters. So you know, i got to give it to the Caps there. Uh, and another thing I've been doing with betting that I don't know if – I'm going to say it. I don't know if I really recommend it yet, but it, I've been betting on heavy favorites, and I've been betting on them to win in regulation because the odds are much more favorable. So I've been seeing games like let's say Tampa is playing Ottawa, and Tampa is like a heavy, heavy – Uh, minus through the roof. You go in and check the uh, regulation win money line, much better odds. Again, the only thing that sucks is when they do eventually win the game and they win it in overtime, you feel like a dick and you want to kick yourself in the nuts. But it's been paying off so far, only a few of those little heartbreakers for me. Uh, Does it bother you that you can't bet? Or can you bet on the NHL? I don't know. That's a good question. Can you bet on a different sport?
1: I want to say... Yeah, I want to say I want to say this is the rules and I and I could be wrong and I'm sure someone will tweet at me and let me know if I am wrong on this but i think the rules are you can bet on any sport except football if you're a player huh. if you're a coach or a personnel person you can't bet on any sports period
0: interesting a little discriminatory there but I guess I understand yeah. it so yeah is that something you are you gonna get into it when you're tired
1: um, yeah, I think, I think I enjoy betting. Um, I've never really had much of the opportunities to, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm going to get into that. It always gives you a little juice to kind of a little extra incentive to watch the games. Right? There
0: you go. Yeah. And it's not like you have a temper or anything. You don't get worked up easily.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't, I'm not an absolute fucking
0: psycho. <laughs> It'll be good for you. All right. Uh, to close it out here, since it's the new year, we're, we're only a week past the new year. Uh, something that we put together that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the five most underappreciated players of the last decade from each of us. I'm going to let you go first. I don't know if you've got five. I came up with five. Uh, so let's hear it. AQ, who are some guys that you felt needed more love in the past couple of years in the NHL?
1: So I came up with five, and a couple of them you may bat an eye at a little bit, but I can't the reason wait. I the reason that I went with them uh-huh. is uh, some of them are on underappreciated teams, so I don't feel that they get enough love. Obviously. They're still great players. We all understand that, but that, so you you can go at me a little bit if if you disagree with some of these, right? Let's so hear it. Um, first person, and arguably in my opinion, the best goalie in the NHL, Carey Price. Wow. Okay. I think he, just because he's been on some some bad teams in the last couple of years, does not get the love that he deserves. He, I think, arguably could win uh, best goalie in the league almost every year. And, you know, it goes to Vasilevsky. It goes to this person. It goes to this person because they're on the best team. or They've had the best success on the best team, right? So – uh, he would be my first.
0: That, that's a good point because uh, I think about it like when I was growing up, I always think about who the best goalie was. It was Marty Brodeur. It was well-known. It was obvious. But the Devils also had a really good team. He was always in the playoffs, and he was winning cups, and he was competing constantly. Carey Price, probably this generation's greatest goaltender, but doesn't get the love he deserves in that sense because the teams around him haven't been great.
1: Yep, and that's that's, that's kind of why I threw that name out there first. Second, a little uh, a little nod to my, to my hometown right now. Oliver Ekman Larson. Oh, let's go. Stud. I think he's been arguably the best player on his team uh, for the last decade. And just because they've been a very shitty team until recently um, does not get the love he deserves. But I think he's a very, very solid hockey player.
0: Yeah, he's been hidden in the desert for all his years. Probably, basically the best player on the team since he was drafted. I mean, the guy's a, the guy's a beast.
1: Arguably, I think the most underrated player of the entire decade. Um. Again, I think he's been up there with the levels of the best players in the league, but does not get the love. Is Claude Giroux? Wow, this um, is big for you. As I a just Pittsburgh don't fan. ever think his name is ever mentioned among the game's best, but has been incredibly solid in Philly. He's an unbelievable hockey player. He's always in All Star games, but you when you when you think of the best players of the decade, you never put him up there with the Crosbys, the Ovechkins of the world.
0: No, and he he had that like. To your two or three run where he was just unbelievable. And then they, there was that one infamous tweet that, goes, that went viral and still pops up every time. I think we just saw Crosby pass the baton to Drew as the world's best player, and now it's like yep. a running joke. But, I mean, he was fucking really good there for a while.
1: Really good. Um, here's a name that I don't know if we'll agree on or get mentioned as much. But, again, I think us being down in the North American region, we don't see as many... Uh, Canadian hockey games, but I think Blake Wheeler yeah. is a very underappreciated hockey player. I think he's an incredible player. He's I on my he's list. Done an incredible job for the last decade. His points rank up there pretty high, but nobody talks about him in the same sense. And last but not least, here we are talking about him, and again, we talked about it earlier, about how he's not mentioned as, as much, and that's why it was a perfect lay-in to what I was going to talk about, is John Carlson. Oh, look at you. I I think he has been kind of a stalwart on that team in terms of defense. And, again, you had orpic and you had – who's the other guy from the Penguins? Uh,
0: Niskanen. That Niskanen scumbag. that they
1: always kind of talked about. And it's like Carlson was by far the best defenseman on the team. He had an unbelievable shot. Um, would put some points on the board, but you never talked about it. And obviously, he's kind of coming into his own this year with, with, with the season he's been put together. So there's my five.
0: Solid. So you had John Carlson, Blake Wheeler, Carey Price, Claude Drew, and who was the other one?
1: All of Rackman Larson.
0: Oh yeah. Oh. I love it. I love it. I didn't expect it to be that nuanced from you. And I was I was surprised at first that you said Carey Price, but then when uh, when you made me think about it, I was like, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh I'll give you mine. I also had Blake Wheeler. Um and I think it was because he got a, a little bit of a slow start to his career. But lately, I mean, back-to-back 91-point seasons, his playmaking machine, you look at his numbers, just assists through the roof, multiple 25-goal seasons so he can score, too. And he's got good playoff numbers. And I think it's for the similar reasons Kerry Price. He's been hidden up there for so long in Winnipeg. Uh, you just you kind of forget about him. Uh, David Krejci I had for the Bruins.
1: Oh, that's a great call.
0: And I mostly put him here because I hate him. Because every time I watch – he he stands out to me because he just he's such a weasel to me. He's so he's good, a nat, right? Yeah, he's a yeah, exactly. It's not like he's dirty or physical, but he's so good and skilled, and he does all the little things right. He's like Patrice, Patrice Bergeron light. Uh, he's like a little clone, and he always kills the Penguins. It bothers me, but his percentage, his percentage numbers are through the roof. His two way plays great, and he crushes in the playoffs. He's a stud. Uh, Roman Yosi. Oh, good one. Uh, Fourteenth in points this year, which is pretty solid. He's not too far behind John Carlson in the scoring race as far as defensemen go. Uh, Became the captain of the Predators. Um, He's just—he's an all-around two-way guy. He can do it all. He's a power play machine. Uh, Stud. He kind of got overshadowed because they've had a solid defensive core in Nashville for all those years. Uh, Adam Henrique of the Devils was a guy who I think got overlooked as being a good player on a bad team. He was kind of – probably shouldn't have been a number one center, should probably be a number two, maybe even number three on a great team. But he's the default number one center on the Devils for all those years because they stunk. Uh, And now it's probably a little later in his career. He got traded to the Ducks. And his prime – probably passed the prime a little bit, but he can still play. But he was a guy that I think a lot of people forget about who was just really talented. And then uh, this one stings, but Brad Marchand – I think uh, is finally starting to get the recognition he's deserved for a long time no as being really good, really talented offensively and defensively as well. If you can overlook all the little shit he does, licking people, slew footing people, uh, you know, being, a, he'll carve you up with a stick too, but 26 career shorthanded goals. The guy can fill the net with the best of them. He's part of that line on the Bruins, him, uh, Pasternak and Bergeron. They're just unbelievable. And he has been, Arguably, in my, in my eyes, the most underrated player of the past decade.
1: So there you have it. I think, I think that's a great list. And it's funny how you have two Bruins up there, arguably one of the top teams of this decade, right? Yeah. Um, you got to put them in the top three teams of this decade. And it's so funny because much like the Patriots, right, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a common system in Boston, but they, they, they don't win with the best players. They no. win with the best teams.
0: Yeah. And he, even, like, Pasternak's probably playing the best. Other than McDavid and Dreisaitl, David Pasternak is unbelievable at the NHL right now, and you still don't really hear about him that much, sure. especially in the national scene. Like, no one knows who he is, but Pasternak is a Yeah, you stud. don't talk
1: about any of them. Tory Krug, I mean, you could put him up there. I mean, he just got rewarded with a big deal. But, yeah. um, you know, all these guys, I mean, you don't think of them in that upper echelon of guys, but they're all upper echelon guys in the way that they play. But, yes, you're right. I mean, just arguably – some of the most underrated guys in this league.
0: So there you have it. Uh, thanks for rocking with us, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode. We're going to get up to speed on some more current stuff. I know we've been slacking a little bit, but we were busy, man. We had a busy fall. There was a lot of football to cover, but now we're back. It's hockey time and we're ready to go. So, again, thanks for rocking with us. Tweet us. Let us know uh, what you guys want to hear about. It's a, some topics you'd like us to cover. There's some deep dives you'd like us to take. And we got some guests coming up. I've I booked some guests. We're investing a little bit give me a good time i'll let you know who those are uh follow along on that hockey talk on twitter follow at aq shipley and myself at murado uh thank you guys and we're out
1: that's hockey talk